This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Uh, episode number 47, Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group, Mark Potter, Mike Bradley. This portion is sponsored by our friends at Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF Certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at MidshoreExteriors.com. And we're back after a week off. Yeah. We need it's good that. to be back. I, I missed last week, so we've got really two weeks worth of games to catch up on a little bit, oh. as best we can. Oh, I wasn't going back two weeks. So. Well, I, I mean, I'm just it's saying, if there's, any, <laughs> if there's any news and notes from two weeks ago that come to mind, I'll throw that in. I did get a text from Dan Harding at Ken Island and saying, Casey Heath wants to know where the podcast reporting, recording is. <laughs> so, from last week. Why is that? Because he wanted to listen to it. Oh, yeah, okay. We, I mean... It, well, I, no, I, I think I know what you're alluding to. Yeah, but I mean, there, it's it's great because you know, you never know who listens to these things. I mean, we That's we true. can see our demographics and we can see how many people are listening and what have you, and we appreciate that. But it's always cool to know that you also have high school students that are listening. They account for about five percent of our audience. Yeah, hopefully that grows. Yeah. I mean, it's it's supposed to be for everybody. I I tend to think that it ends up being more of a coaches and fans thing, but. I, I would certainly welcome the players. It's about them, so I would I would hope they would listen. Now, for the student-athletes, they're pretty busy, so I get that they may not have the time to tune into an hour podcast or well, something. they stay up late at night, so, you know. Well, hopefully doing there. doing their, their studies, as they right. say, or their school, right. uh, their school work. Well, he either wanted to hear about the rankings, which he should be happy about after last week, or about comparisons with him and K.J. Smothers. Yeah, well, um, you know. But I spoke I, highly, actually, of Casey Heath, um, not this past Friday, but the previous Friday when you interviewed him after the win over right. Y High. I thought he really conducted himself really, really well uh, and uh, was articulate and uh, very complimentary of his teammates. It did not come off as a me-first, arrogant-type guy. Not that I expected that, right. but I just thought he handled himself really, really well. Yeah, and uh, obviously has some good dancing shoes. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you made yeah, yeah. you made mention I mean, of that. The yeah. kids got moves. There's no yeah. doubt about it. You know, like we were talking during the game Friday night, our overtime live Preston Ford game of the week, presented by Best Western Plus Easton for all mm-hmm. seasons in Coda Ice. Uh, that Brandon Jenkins and KJ Smothers, both very good running backs, but both totally different in the sense that KJ's a heat seeking missile that's looking to have contact with somebody and blow them up. And Brandon will shook and juke to try and avoid that contact. Mm -hmm. Although the way it was compared with Smothers and Heath, though, was that Heath was the power guy and that Smothers was the the fast guy. Yeah. But Smothers doesn't shy away from contact is what you're saying. Yeah, not not at all. I mean, uh, 344 yards, I think, uh, uh, in the game against Easton. Mm -hmm. Uh, In speaking with Coach Griffith after the game, he was disappointed in the amount of yards they gave up on the ground, um, you know, to Smothers. But it came down to tackling. I mean, he was breaking tackles left and right, but that's what he does. He does. And when you commit eight, nine guys to the box, you'd like to think that you can contain him. 
for a little less than 300-some yards. That wasn't the case. And, look, it's tough, though, when you, you don't get to practice against those kind of guys. And, and look, I'm, nothing against Jenkins because the Easton's got good backs. And Jenkins is really emerging as one of the top five backs in the conference, no doubt about it. But – uh, Smothers is a special back. You don't, you don't get to practice against a guy like that, so it's tough when you go out there on Friday night to, to try to stop him. And the crazy thing about Smothers is he's got one offer right now, just one. Yeah, is there but, any insight as to what's going on well, there? But I can tell you, uh, when I spoke to Coach Griffith over the weekend, mm-hmm. he was in the middle of talking to a college coach mm-hmm. about this kid, a D1 college coach, mm-hmm. about K.J. Smothers because – the kid needs to be playing at the next level. Yeah. Let, let me just say this, too. And we, I think we've talked about this a lot, though. I'll go one step down from FBS. There's a lot of good FCS schools out there, yeah, too. Absolutely. So if it's not one, if it's one two, the old 1-2-A, as we refer to it, that's just as good as well. Yeah. I mean, and, <laughs> you know. and, and, while there's no JUCO but, around but here. But your point, your point being, though, is where, where are the offers? And I, I don't know. I can't yeah. explain that. You know, and it just doesn't make sense. But uh, hopefully he'll get some more looks. I know that Coach Griffith was sending some tape out to uh, – um, a, a couple of college coaches, so that's always cool. Well, I know Coach Waters uh, definitely has to be as well. well uh, absolutely, and you know, and I mean, we always talked about Jay Coleman does that for right, but other coaches helping. Right, yeah, right. all the kids in the Bayside that he comes across, and you know, that's that's the coolest thing about the, that I think about the coaches when you look at the coaches that we have here on the Bayside, while they want to promote their kids, they are all in when it comes to promoting all of the student athletes on the shore that are deserving of the recognition and deserving of playing at the next level if they mm-hmm. want to and we have a group, we have a bunch of coaches over here that do that. Well, and I think it helps when you have opposing coaches sending things. It's one thing to have the coach of the player that you know right. he plays for. Uh, okay, obviously you're going to get that. But when opposing coaches do it, and I remember when we had that interview with uh, Coach Femi at St. Michael's, he does the same thing on the baseball side of right. things. Right, absolutely. He's a big proponent of the Bayside kids. Well, I guess we need to dive into talking about high school football from Friday night and Saturday. It's sponsored by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. They have 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. And they're in the midst of the uh, their huge fundraising efforts right now to help the kids on the shore at givingtheedgefoundation.org. So let's start with our overtime live Preston Ford game of the week. Uh, you know, Easton... Queen Anne's back and forth affair. We got to start off with all the penalties. Yeah, that was in my notes here. Twenty-seven penalties for over two hundred yards. Yeah, it felt like it. You know, and what we didn't understand is, I mean, let's face it: the officials are tasked with a difficult situation. You can call holding on every play. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're calling holdings when it's not anything to do with the play. And then there were other times that they didn't call holding when it affected the when play. It affected, I remember at least one that stood out that you had made mention of, you and Coach Ferragamo made mention of. Look, I, and you would think certainly they know that as well, that, look, you can look away on some plays where the penalty didn't affect the play itself. I, I can't speak for them at the end of the day. I know that I spoke up in just saying that for any criticism, remember, we've got a shortage, so be thankful for the guys that you got out there. But at the same time, 
that doesn't entirely dismiss them of trying to do a good job for both teams. Just because they're out there doesn't mean that you could do a lousy job. And again, I didn't see all the penalties you guys did, so I can't speak to all 27, but that does seem a bit excessive. That said, though, too, we often complain about penalties, but hey, stop holding. Do your job. Right. Do what you're taught. The fundamentals. You and, and you're spot on on that. And I think the coaches will tell you that, you know, like the the three personal foul calls that uh, that Queen Anne's got on three of Easton's drives. You know, one of them was on the coaching staff. Yeah. You know, and, and Coach Waters said it said as much. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, and the uh, uh, there was one that. Yeah, he did. He didn't obviously agree with, and and I think Coach Ferragamo you know, disagreed with it from the booth. Mm-hmm. You know, but but you bring up a great point. These officials, we're thankful we have them mm-hmm. because we need them. They're a dying breed. Yeah, you know, I mean, we need more officials, and they're a great opportunity for you know former players to get involved with the game and things like that to be a part of the officiating crew. But they are getting paid. Yes, and they are getting paid, so they need to make sure that they perform and not have an impact on a game. You know, when you look at 27 penalties, I haven't gone back to watch the tape yet, but, you know, of those penalties, how many had a direct impact on the game? Yeah, I'd like to know that from the coaches involved with Coach Waters and Coach Griffin. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe we'll have to ask them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. To uh, to see uh, uh, about that, but... We're thankful, definitely thankful for the officials. We're not complaining about them. We're just saying 27 penalties is a little excessive. Yeah. You know. I, mean, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. and it really slowed down the game. I mean, gosh, the game took three hours to finish. Yeah. You know? Now, you do have to ferret out that you talked about personal fouls from your traditional holding call Correct. or clipping or, or pass interference, something like that. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the personal fouls need to be called if, if it's a personal foul. You know, unlike the Tom Brady personal foul mm. from Sunday, yeah. you know, that was a little ridiculous. But, oh. you know, it was just because, you know, Tom is Tom. Yeah, and, and, and Bogart is the Angel Hernandez of the NFL. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So in that game, KJ Smothers, we mentioned a little bit ago, 344 yards. Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Yep. Absolutely amazing. The game, Easton got out to a 21-7 lead, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Queen Anne's came back in the second half. They took their first two possessions and converted touchdowns with them and got themselves back in the game but missed the extra point that would have tied it at 21. Well, it was blocked, though, I believe, right? Yeah, partially blocked. Partially yeah. blocked by, by O'Connor. Was it O'Connor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on All the right. extra point it was. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. So when you get down to it, you know, the next time Easton had the ball, they couldn't convert. And Ferragamo told me, he said in the tower, if Queen Anne scores here because Easton doesn't, Queen Anne's going to win the game. Because he felt like you could just see the way the game was going. Mm-hmm. Easton goes down, you know, after, you know, Queen Anne's, uh, you know, Easton went down, turnover on downs on a fourth and forever uh, from the 30-something yard line. And uh, Coach Griffin told me yesterday, in fact, when I saw him, he said, uh, after watching the tape, should have punted. Should have punted. But I didn't. Now, he was quoted as saying that he thought it would have been um, a kick into the end zone. Right. right? But 
But that brings the ball out to the 20. 20. The and 20, his, which every his, yard counts, so you're giving him 18 more yards there. Well, and I think in, in his thinking was when he said I should have punted, he, he had a little more room than he thought, okay, yeah. uh, to be able to get the ball down inside and out of bounds somewhere. Mm-hmm. He kind of liked the positioning where the ball was after watching film. You know, just sometimes when you're on the sidelines, it's just a little tough there. So, no, no, understood. Yeah, I, yeah. I just think that even if he does hit it in the end zone, those 18 yards, well, given the way Smothers is, I, okay, don't give him the extra 18. Make him earn it. It takes up who knows how the plays go, the extra time eaten up. Maybe they don't get off a kick at the right. end of the day. Well, and, you know, we talked about the, the timeouts in the post game with the Docs uh, uh, Family Restaurants post game show. And he had said, you know, I asked him about the timeout. So you had timeouts to burn. You could have saved some time. He said, I just took my chances. You know? Well, he, and he, he did. And then he felt confident that if they did kick, that they were going to be able to have it. success. Because he had a missed uh, extra point. Queen Anne's did have mixed, excuse me, had to block extra point. But in uh, very early in the game, in their third offensive drive, 36-yard field goal was no good. Right, right, exactly. And I think they may have gotten some penetration on that play. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So... The, the amazing thing was is yeah, 20 Easton scored on Kevin O'Connor's fourth touchdown, three rushing and uh, uh, one passing. And they're up 28-20. Queen Anne's marches down the field, makes it 28-26. Go for a two-point conversion. Everybody in the building thought it was going to be a handoff to K.J. Smothers. Right. Instead, it was a pass. And the thing that kind of surprised me to hear from Coach Waters at the end was, when I asked him about that, he said that if K.J. would have lined up on the correct side, he'd have been able to catch that. Okay. So it, it was just a misalignment. Which, for a senior, you don't expect to have happen in that right. situation. Now, how much time was left, I'm thinking, when they scored? Because... I thought at the time... Like four minutes or seven minutes, something like that? Left in the four. Because I guess I thought, why chase points there? But Queen Anne's defense hadn't really stopped Easton much. So I, I, I guess I understand the two-point conversion. For some reason at the time, I'm thinking, why not just kick the extra point? Um, but it they really ended up... down by two. If, uh, if they'd have uh, made, under- made the extra point, they'd understand. be down by I, one. I guess I was thinking, though, there was enough time left on the clock. But I think I was in error about that. But, right, it, it really came down to, okay, shouldn't you have run the football there as compared to throw the football? But then you just got the explanation that if he had been on the, the correct side that he would have been able to haul in that pass. Right. So, yeah. at this point, it's the, the two-point conversion failed on the pass attempt. So, 28-26, Easton gets the ball. They drive all the way down to the 15, and then penalties, a couple penalties, costly penalties, move them back. They're fourth and forever, and we yeah. just talked about the punt. Queen Anne's, Well, they didn't punt, yeah, they so it gave right, Queen Anne's the ball at, at the Eastern 38. 38-yard yeah. line. And uh, or their each, own 38, I'm sorry. They turned, you're right. Yeah. And, and then they went back to work with K.J. Smothers, right. K.J. left, K.J. right, the K.J. up the middle, yeah. The, you know, the K.J.'s toss, you know, all night long was getting him amazing production. Yeah. yeah. And then they decided, Queen Anne's did, they let the clock run down, and then with two seconds left, they decided to call timeout and let Seth Blackwell march out to try a uh, field goal from 28 yards out. They do that, Griffith lets them get set up, and then he calls a timeout. Now, Seth Blackwell's a pretty good field goal kicker on the base side. 
Let's hear the result uh, as from our call on Friday night. Queen Anne's ready to try a 28-yard field goal attempt. The kick is up, and the kick is no I don't believe good. it's good. I don't believe it's good. Wide right. Wide right. Easton comes out on top, 28-26, as the Warriors celebrate on Lions Field. A top break and a crazy way to end this game. We've got your Doc's Family of Restaurants post-game wrap-up coming up. Easton wins 28-26 on 94.3 Wings FM. Yeah, so that was the call, and you hated to see the game in like that. I mean, it had to. But you hated to see the game because I, I felt so bad for Seth Blackwell. Mm-hmm. You know, It was a tough night for the young man. Yeah, yep. it, it really was. And and he was upset about it after the game. Mm. But it was such a fun game to call. Well, it was. Uh, no, it, it absolutely was. And I guess the other thing is, is that when you take a look at the penalties that you talked about, if it had been called differently, how would the game have been different? Or would it have been? Now, I I still generally think you would have gotten a close game, but would it have gone Queen Anne's way? Would Easton maybe have won by a few more points? Yeah, you will certainly never know. But for the young man, I know it was a tough night for Blackwell. I would just say, though, given all the penalties, certainly you could look back and say, well, look, there there were other reasons in this game why – the Lions came up just a bit short. Yeah. I, and look, Easton had their, I mean, we said 27. Easton had their fair share of penalties. They did not help themselves out either uh, in that game. They were both, uh, liter- you know, both teams were, were filled with penalties. Yeah, no doubt. So this week, Easton now 4-1, and one, and uh, they will be hosting J.M. Bennett. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back at Queen Anne's County High School this coming Friday night uh, for, as the Lions welcome in Decatur. Yeah. And uh, we'll have another Kona Ice Tailgate Party. Starts at 5 o'clock, 5 to 5.30. Come out and get your free samples. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they'll be hanging around and uh, selling some Kona Ice all night long there Yeah, a- at the game. But we're looking forward to that. It's going to be another big matchup here. We talk about the gauntlet that Queen Anne's has. It started with Easton and now Decatur, and it'll finish out in the next couple of weeks where their schedule gets a lot tougher here and uh, a close loss. But uh, I know that they'll be really raring to go for this one against the Seahawks. We'll be talking about the Seahawks and the Bulldogs coming up next right here. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Hi folks, David Wilson Jr. of the Preston Automotive Group here. Did you know that we can deliver your vehicle straight to your home or office? You can view and purchase vehicles from Preston's complete inventory online at PrestonMotor.com. Preston Automotive Group is here to ensure you get exactly what you've been looking for. We can even custom order select brands straight from the source. Integrity, urgency, teamwork, personal growth, attention to detail, community. These are the core values we live by here at the Preston Automotive Group. We're family, friends, and professionals. Visit us online at PrestonMotor.com to get started today. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the Mid-Shore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking, plus they've got money to lend. Get more info at Queenstown Bank or at any Queenstown Bank location, that is, or go to queenstownbank.com. So congratulations to the uh, Preston Automotive Group. Uh, They purchased Talbot Power Sports. They're now in the fun business and uh, with Preston Power Sports. Well, I think they were in the fun business before. 
four with yeah. those uh, yeah, with those Mustangs. Yeah, well, now they're in the really, you know, now they're in the toy business, too. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, with, uh, yeah. with everything. So, uh, yeah, Preston Power Sports located right on Route 50, uh, just before 309 in Black Dog Alley there yeah. um, on Route 50 across from the airport in Easton. If mm-hmm. you're in the market for a, a Sea-Doo or uh, they have motorcycles, they have uh, tractors, they have a bunch of stuff there. So, but uh, check them out. Let's talk about uh, Stephen Decatur. Uh, boy, they were in a dogfight with the Bulldogs, no pun intended. Yeah, they, they were. And I know the way I presented it at halftime during the Queenstown Back Halftime Show was, oh, this was an ugly first half. And I, from an offensive perspective, when you took a look at the number of punts, the turnovers on downs and things like that, it, it, it certainly was. But that would be shortchanging the defense. And I didn't Correct. mean to do that when I said that. But I guess I was expecting a little bit more offense, especially for from Decatur and, and and even from Caroline a little bit, but you know both teams defensively did uh, play well in the first half, and I still think though those are offenses they're still trying to get consistency, and they both lack that, and I've seen that with both teams more so with Decatur than Caroline because that was my first time really seeing Caroline in a full game, uh, but you, you hats off to the defenses, and you know Caroline's defense is always going to bring it. Second half though, Caroline marches right down the field for a touchdown, and then Decatur scores and then Caroline back and all of a sudden the second half he got a lot of scoring and ended up being a low scoring game though ultimately still even in the second half but uh, that was quite a game and I'll say this that was a which Decatur won 16-14 but that was a growth game for both programs that have youngest rosters and something interesting happening in that game in the second half that I'll talk about. Yeah and that's where we're going with that so yeah. Bryson Coleman, Jake Coleman's son um, has been the quarterback all year mm-hmm. and you know for the first three years of his high school experience it was as a wide receiver so snellshire has gone he's you know now at richmond uh, the university of richmond and uh, you know, bryson i guess they just they made a change and moved bryson to wide receiver and brought in their backup nathan tapley who's a sophomore right you know to i i guess they didn't like the way that north Carolina was defending with just Luke Murgot, basically, is they have other players, of course, but Murgot is, you know, a, a receiving stud, so to speak, for uh, Decatur. Yeah. And they were taking Murgot out of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they wanted to do something a little different, and they came out to start the fourth quarter, I guess it was, right, uh, with Tapley? I believe it was fourth or late third. Okay. And correct. And Tapley comes in. And he ends up throwing a touchdown pass to Coleman in the quarter of the end zone. And you're thinking, wow, that's that's pretty genius there. You get the matchup, you get an added weapon, and here Tapley gets an opportunity as a sophomore to come in and see what he can do in a big position. But that could also have gone real south. You know, he could have not met the challenge there. He could have thrown a pick. He could have gotten sacked. But he threw a good ball. It was a good matchup. And then on yet another drive, they bring in Tapley. And prior to the touchdown pass, he threw it was a fourth down play. He threw a slant, a slant in to, to Coleman, and it was picture perfect on the money that got them a first down. Otherwise, they would have turned over on downs there. That ended up leading to a very similar touchdown pass in the left or left corner of the end zone to Coleman once again. And boy, that really paid off there. So you have to wonder. 
does Decatur go to Tapley, a quarterback, and move Coleman back to wide receiver? Because that's where he's going to play when he goes to college as well. Right. You know, and you just have to wonder, is that is that a change that Russ Croto and, and the offense coordinator and Jay Coleman make um, when, when we move to the game this coming Friday night at Queen Anne's? It's a good question. My, my initial guess is no, that Tapley doesn't start and Coleman moves to receiver. But I think you could see that in packages, though. I think you could see that be the case. I also think part of that was to try to jumpstart the offense a little bit. I know that the, the one thing that Decatur's offense hasn't been able to do this year is get the big shots down the field. And part of that is because Coleman is at quarterback and he's – probably their best receiver that they they have but he's having to play quarterback at a necessity but after friday night maybe that becomes less and less of a thing but i tend to think that they'll still ease him in because he is a sophomore in packages and they'll go with coleman but i don't think they'll necessarily be afraid to do that now they also have a sophomore six five tribe wise so look out for him they've tried to get him the ball some i saw in the parkside game and a little bit in the north carolina game as well he's a guy they also have a mary emmanuel uh, who's a sophomore wide receiver so they've got youth there um but yeah a really good game and uh a, a interesting twist and you know if you're jake or james mccormick's like hell i did the best i could what can i do you right, know right. you know they made a good they made a good adjustment there and got a match up and they made use of it twice well i'm looking forward to uh seeing our uh chats our pregame preview so to speak uh, uh at shoresportsmd.com those will be back this week after a couple of weeks off so you'll be heading down talking to jake coleman and uh, i'm going to take care of our waters over there at queen Anne's county high school to talk about uh, you know, what's coming up this week. And I would imagine that's going to be one of the questions that you ask Coach Coleman, you know, in regards to <laughs> sure. you know, the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I will be. I, I'm not sure how much you'll exactly divulge there, but we'll certainly ask the question of him. And uh, it'll be a good matchup on uh, on Friday night, as we talked about, a pair of 5-1 and one teams doing battle. And, uh, again, teams at youngish rosters, but the Lions get this one at home. Uh, I, I would switch gears for a second, though, in that game. I, I just want to say, and McCormick, uh, Coach McCormick told me Friday night, uh, Mark, that he thought that was North Carolina's best game so far. And I thought – that uh, junior Desai Bell, a quarterback, I thought he looked the most confident, the most poised of uh, of games this year for him. And I thought he looked really good running that offense. I thought that offense looked pretty darn good. And it was interesting. Here you get the wing T style against the spread style of Decatur. Vastly different. But at times, Caroline's offense looked like a well-oiled machine out there. And they spread it out too, didn't they? At times they did. Yeah, and and, and the Bell, we know, he's got a physical attributes. He could run, he could throw, he's athletic. Uh, it was impressive. And Caroline, and we've been told this, Caroline's got speed on that team. That This is not a, you know, a, a blue-collar. Well, it is a blue-collar team, but it's not a blue-collar team without speed. They've got some speed on that team and athleticism. Well, and the crazy thing is when you look at that team that we were just talking about in North, in North Carolina, I think they've passed this year more than they have passed in the 20 years of McCormick being in charge there. <laughs> Yeah, I, and, and with all due respect, it doesn't take a whole lot to do that necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see them go crazy the other night, but they did throw the football. But it's still a lot of it was off of y your run plays, a lot of play-action passes and rollouts. But you have a quarterback that has the ability um, to be more of a threat in rolling out and running or throwing the football. He can get it down the field, you know, if uh, if need be. But it was uh, it was something where 
I think both teams matured. And as Coleman said, Coach Coleman said, nobody wants to face uh, North Carolina in the playoffs, and right. no one's going to want to face them as the year goes on. Now the question will be, can Caroline build upon that? they got a really tough test this Friday. Yeah, they do. They will be uh, playing Ken Island. Um, and here we go again, the, the coaching – you know, rumor mill, so to speak. And, you know, is this McCormick's last oh, year? Yeah, yeah. You know, I only bring <laughs> that up because and maybe I'm reading between the lines here and it's not really his last year, but they are hosting a, um, a, a party, so to speak, uh, for Coach McCormick. Who, uh, now, who's on, hosting uh, the, it? The, the, the boosters? Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. The they're, program they're calling itself? it an NCHS Bulldog Football Reunion. And they've put out a plea that if you played, if you ever played for Coach McCormick, come watch the last regular season home game from the end zone and then join oh. them at, uh, at, at a location for an after party after the game. Interesting. Now, they play Colonel Richardson that, that uh, night. Um, on the 28th. So that's uh, the last regular the season. The last regular season right, right, game. Right, right. Yeah. The superintendent's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As so, I still call it. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's, is that is that foreshadowing there? Did yeah. they tip? Did they tip their hand? I, it didn't happen last year, did it? No, no. But that. And, and, but then and he didn't know guess, last year, right? And we can't guess with with McCormick. There's no um, doubt about that. No, I, I mean, if it, I would say this though, given the youth of the team. And if we see the continued development from what we saw Friday night against Decatur, I would want to stick around one more season to kind of see that blossom uh, a bit further. But maybe he'll be happy enough to see them if they finish strong to uh, to hand it off at that point. We'll we'll certainly have to see. Yeah, and uh, we're of course looking forward to more of the action coming up. We've got more games to talk about this week. Yeah, that's coming up next right here on Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. This segment sponsored by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at forallseasonsinc.org. Congratulations to Beth Ann Langer, who has appeared on this program uh, and appeared on this uh, uh, podcast as well from Four All Seasons, getting married on Sunday, this past Sunday, uh, to Matt Dorman, a super guy, and uh, had the honor and the and the privilege to be able to attend that uh, royal wedding, as I'll call it. So, <laughs> was that in, uh, was that in St. Michael's? Yeah, that was uh, nice. at, at their house in St. Michael's. Oh wow, so, absolutely nice. beautiful. Well, place. congratulations to her. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good well deserved. Her. Yeah. So, um, let's. Uh, we've been talking high school football here during the podcast and uh, talking about the different games that we've had across the uh, uh, across the area. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, we, we mentioned uh, Ken Island. North Carolina uh, will be, I believe, playing host to yes. Ken Island this, yep. uh, this coming Friday night. Yep. Ken Island went to Parkside. And 
Parkside, we thought, you know, hey, not too bad of a football team. Mm-hmm. But, boy, they really struggled against Ken Island. Yeah, and they've struggled the last three weeks where their offense started out really hot. They haven't been able to get much going there. And then defensively, it was a rough game for them as well. And, you know, the Buccaneers, I mean, they're on a roll. They've won, is that five straight now since yeah. they they, yeah. they lost their opener against Easton? I was thinking, is that four or five straight? It's five straight now. And uh, you've got Casey Heath, of course, leading the way. Uh, some others got involved in the scoring in that one. Um I had that written down here. But anyway, no, that was a dominant performance. And you look at Easton, they won that game at Parkside on a Friday night, 36-7. to Well, Ken Island went in there and won it 50-6. to So they scored you know, 14 more points. And if you take a look at the Power Bowl, for instance, and Ken Island, the new number one last week, when taking a look at the Power Bowl this week, there's another – uh, like opponent that each team played number one and number two and see what Easton did, see what Ken Island did. Yeah, and uh, so Ken Island, obviously at the top of your power pole, and uh, they stay there. And you can get a complete look at that power pole yeah. at shoresportsmd.com. Click on Overtime Live, and uh, you'll find it on that page. So, you know, Ken Island this week with North Carolina, a game that those two always play tough. It's always tough, but I would have to think the experience that Ken Island has, even though they're young too. Yeah, they are. I mean, they, though they're very young. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think Sofanowski and, and gosh, you, you can't even go another word without thinking of the job that Donnie Grafe has done on that offensive line. I mean, the, yeah. the, the vast improvement you've seen from that unit, mm-hmm. you know, since week one, uh, is so telltale. Yeah, I, I think if you break it down on on the surface, you'd say that you know Ken Island's defense is certainly as good as North Carolina's, if not better. And I think statistically they are. So if it got to be a defensive battle, yeah, th- there's no major advantage there for say North Carolina. And offensively, Casey Heath again, you could argue number one, one A, whatever, tied with you know KJ Smothers, however you want to call it. They're both extremely valuable to their teams, and if they weren't on the team, it'd be a much different win loss record, more than likely. Um, but when you've got a guy like Heath, that's such a difference maker there. I think that to me, that's where that gives the Buccaneers the edge in in that game. But it's going to be interesting to see, as I mentioned, how does Caroline after a really good game, even though they lost against Decatur, how do they do at home this week against the Bucks? And yeah, the Bucks will be in for it. They know it. And the one thing I, w- I would just, if I'm Ken Island and Queen Anne's, and look, you, if a coach, you don't have to be a genius. Is like, give your playmakers the ball. The only thing I'd be concerned about in games in general and in the playoffs is if another team does shut down or contain to a good degree that player, where you're so heavily heavily reliant upon them. Do you have the other guys to be able to step up and make plays? I know Ken Island's been trying to do that, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure Queen Anne's would like to try to do that too, but it's tough to get away from giving it to your bell cows, but if they get shut down, who's stepping up for them? Yeah, and that's uh, something we'll have to see, and I'm sure the challenges will get greater as we get to the playoffs uh, that will start the yep. first Friday night in November. So... Uh, why Comico got behind seven nothing? Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody in in Cambridge was like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, but then why high routed forty two off straight, <laughs> and and that's the way it ended forty two seven. Yeah, but still not a bad showing to start mm-hmm. for 
Cambridge. Yeah, and, and Coach Taylor said that, uh, look, they've got speed and athleticism that uh, I, I know coming in probably everybody thought, well, we've got the major advantage there, but he credited them with, hey, they've got a pretty good athletic roster there, and they usually always have, Mark. I mean, it's just sometimes they face teams that have bigger numbers, maybe bigger in the trenches, and they wear down a little bit, but uh, yeah, kudos to Cambridge. They had nothing to lose coming into the game. They knew it would be an uphill battle, but they knew they were playing a wounded duck in the Indians, um, but why Comico got the wake-up call, and they uh, they took care of business there. But I don't think why Comico is ultimately going to be satisfied enough, and I have to take a look at their schedule. But you beat a one A there, but until they face another top-tier team and try to and get a win after losing to both Ken Island and Decatur, I don't think they'll be fully satisfied. Well, they have Parkside this week, mm-hmm. and that is a game. Who's reeling right now, though? They are mm-hmm. reeling, and it's a game that Y High should win rather easily. But it is a county rivalry. Salisbury, well, Salisbury City Championship game. A- yeah, anything, yeah. anything can, you know, be possible in, in that category when those two teams get together. You just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if Parkside's at their best, especially with the run game and, and Massiarello being able to throw the football a little bit, they can they can give them a game. Obviously, they want to keep Wicomico's offense off the field, though, because uh, the Parkside defense has had a rough go of it all year. The offense has at least shown signs to be able to uh, score the football, that is. You mentioned why high and playing top-tier teams. You know, they've got uh, Parkside this Thursday. It's a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and right. then next Thursday, they host Queen Anne's. Okay, and then that's the game. If they win that game, then I think they'll feel a whole lot better about having lost to Ken Island Decatur, or at least a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're not happy about that, but you can't do anything about that now. But you could finish strong and go in the playoffs and try to make a run there. Well, when you look at the records, I mean, and you can find those records on uh, shoresportsmd.com with with Mike's uh, power pole. You know, Cambridge, 3-3. Three and three. You've got uh, uh, Colonel Richardson, 4-2. and two. Yeah, and that's a tough call. I, I know I've given the edge to Cambridge there a little bit, and that's really just because I, with Colonel having lost – so many players. That's why in the preseason poll, I had Cambridge just a notch above. But I think I could have tied them. I could have maybe had Colonel above. I don't, but um, that likely will be your 1A championship again. Yeah, and, you know, those two, while they don't match up this week, you have uh, Cambridge is going to Washington, which should be an easy win for yeah, them. Yeah. And then uh, you have Colonel hosting Nandua, which is going to be a tough fight. Yeah, it will be. If, They're lucky to get that game at home this year. If Colonel loses that contest mm-hmm. um, and, and then Cambridge wins Washington, which, like we said, it should, mm-hmm. uh, it Cambridge and Colonel, I think, match up not this week, but next week. Mm -hmm. And that there will be for the small school title. I think that's what Jake Coleman always called it. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's going to be exciting. And, of course, Cambridge, they have Easton. They'll finish up the year with Easton. Colonel finishes up the year. Uh, with uh, North, North Carolina, Carolina. Yeah. but yeah, they tough do, contest they, for both teams. They yeah. they do meet on the twenty first of October yeah. in Cambridge at six o'clock. So that's going to be a good one. Well, look, Colonel got the win twenty to seven against Kent County. Kent County uh, took a lot of time up uh, with the ball control type offense, and they led seven to six at the half over Colonel. Uh, you're talking to Coach Jackson. He talked about his defense, or excuse me, his uh, his offensive line uh, needing to do a better job with keeping their eyes up and being able to handle what the Kent County defense brings to them. And they were able to make that adjustment and get it done in the second half. Cameron Gondek is a 
senior. He's had a really good year for the Colonels. And you take a look, Mark. I mean, they had an historic year last year. They lost their first two games of the season, but that was to what? Seaford and to Kent Island. Mm-hmm. They've won four straight. They lofty expectations for or excuse me i mean not easy expectations or, or a bar to hold up to after what they did last year and so far in that regard they're undefeated right now i i think what coach jackson and the players have done is unbelievable and what seniors are left there from last year's team uh there are juniors now seniors they're doing a heck of a job of, of helping the young guys out and i mean kudos it's good to see that they're continuing because I wasn't sure the Colonel would be four and two at this point at the in the season. Yeah, I mean they they quite could end up six and three on the year. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I definitely would not have predicted that. I would have thought, yeah, they're going to take a step back just because they lost so many guys and you know the kind of year they had last year. That's tough to replicate. Or or seven and two if they were to beat North Carolina at the end of the year. Right. So anything. But can they'll happen. be they'll be underdogs for yeah. that one though. So, yeah. but uh, pardon yeah, the pun. <laughs> definitely good. underdogs to the Bulldogs. That's right. Definitely good stuff there. Uh, this podcast sponsored by Perret Moy Therapy Associates, located at four sixty Main Street in Stevensville at Rick Perret. The staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Perret and Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. So really, those were the, that's the bulk of the games, the, the ones that, you know, ha- have an impact. Uh, Snow Hill did beat Washington. Yeah. And um, I think the Snow Hill-Kent County game, that's going to be a tough one for me to pick this week. Yeah. And yeah. that game's at Snow Hill, though. Um, Snow Hill's defense has had a rough go of it. Kent County's playing better. They lost to Cambridge 16-6. to They lose to Washington 20-7. to uh, But, it, you know, based on what I'm seeing, if they, they can control... They lost to Colonel 20-7. I'm sorry, they lost to Colonel 20-7. Yeah. But if Kent can control the ball and do damage against Snow Hill's defense, who's not been very good this year, they, they certainly have a shot to, to get their first win against the Eagles. The, the next thing I want to talk about is um, it, you and I hear it a lot you know we do the preston ford game of the week you know Mm -hmm. we're not married to one single team or anything like that we look at the schedule and we tentatively put together a schedule that we would go out and we're thinking all right depending on how the season goes this is what we're thinking Mm -hmm. um yeah we try and get all of the mid-shore teams all right we don't get cambridge south dorchester because their games are already broadcast on 100.9. Yeah, we've, we, we, and we've John talked about Tomey, that. Yeah, there's know, no and, sense in having two radio stations cover the same team. Right. And, Makes no sense. You know, it just, it, we just out of respect for John and the job he does, we're like, yeah, we're not going to do it. Well, yeah, and it enables us to get more, or enables more Bayside teams to be covered. Right. So it just, it wouldn't, yeah, it doesn't do anybody a service by having two stations do the same team. Yeah. Now, when in the spring season, uh, last spring, mm-hmm. you know, when we did that, we just did all Easton games because all of the teams were coming through Easton High School. And and we got to see everybody. Yes, we saw Easton every week, but we got to see everybody. You're talking back in the spring of 21. Yeah. Right? That was a unique situation with yeah. COVID and all that. So exactly. yeah, I, I don't even count that. Yeah. So, you know, now looking at the schedule and the way things plays out, we picked, all right, let's go with this one. You know, we did the Ken Island Easton game to start the year because – both coaches coming back out of retirement. Right, yeah. and, right. That had nothing to do. That could have been whatever other schools. That had nothing to do with Easton or that, or Ken Island. Or Ken Island. Right. You know. Well, I bring up Easton because there were some comments made on Overtime Live's Facebook page on Friday night about doing 
oh, another Easton game. We know why that is. And I try to explain that while you may think it looks a certain way or while it may look a certain way to you, that there's a lot more that goes into it. And sometimes that's the way it turns out. But that that game, for instance, had everything to do with two coaches coming back to be head coaches of their team. Had it just so happens, Easton was one of them in that instance. And and when that game was announced back in, well, I mean, the game's already, the schedule comes out. When the two coaches announced they were coming back, we automatically said yeah that's our first game of the year absolutely and you know um we did the uh, colonel richardson ken island game week number two yes because david wilson jr was going to join us and if you looked at all the other games that are on the schedule they didn't look very appetizing Right, you know, schedule. Well, and we've done Ken Island, Wicomico. Yeah, that didn't have Easton in it. We did uh, uh, in week three. Um, you had uh, Ken Island, Decatur, but I don't think we. I don't think we went to Decatur. Yeah, no, uh, we did. We didn't do. No, we didn't do that game. That's right. That was we did do. I mean, we have done a a, a couple of. We have done a fair amount of Easton games, but yeah. the, some of that has to do with sometimes that's the best matchup as we see it. Right. There are some games like the Decatur Wicomico game was a Saturday game. We right. can't do that. I've got right. commitments on Saturday with the Terps. You've got commitments, so th- that's one game that you have to strike out. And so some of that just so happens that that's the way the schedule kind of goes. Um, in fact, we were going to do Eastern North Carolina, and, you know, we we decided to do Ken Island-Wicomico when Wicomico was defeated by Decatur. Right. And then the other game coming up on the weekend of the 20th and 21st, they moved some of those games to Thursday night. We tried in previous years to do the Thursday night game because mm. it gives me a chance to get out of town and try and go see some college football with you know with yeah. my son. Or, and having a Friday or, night or off occasionally camping. for me doesn't hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But this year, um, you know, we elected early that we'll just do the Friday night games because mm-hmm. there's more Friday night games this year. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be able to do the Queen Anne Y High game because that is on a Thursday night. Right, which we would have done otherwise. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's the other wrinkle is the Thursday night games. It makes it tough. Yeah, yeah. and we decided that, uh, you know, we're going to do Easton and Decatur, which should be another fantastic game that will yeah. probably last four hours because they all <laughs> throw the ball so much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, of course. And we don't get to do a lot of South teams necessarily. Necessarily, uh, I still call it Bayside North, Bayside South. So sometimes that's just the way it happens. Okay, Decatur's playing Easton. That's just, that's more about getting a couple Decatur games in there because they're a top four team of the conference. And we have a good following from Decatur. People we down do. there listen yeah. to our broadcast, and, and they also, uh, you know, they listen to the podcast as well. So mm-hmm. you know, we try and reward that with with a couple of Decatur games. Thus, this week Queen Anne's in Decatur. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week uh, we have Easton in Decatur. And then we go back with Queen Anne and Ken Island. So right. for all of those that are saying, oh, it's another Easton game, kiss my grits because <laughs> I can tell you, I, I told Al Waters the other day, I feel like we're going to be the Queen Anne's you know, yeah. uh, football radio network because the last four games, we're doing three of his games. Right. You right. know, it's Easton, Decatur, and y- and uh, the Ken Island contest. Well, and, and here's something else as well. Okay, Easton in my power poll as of last week, and we'll see if that remains this week, mm-hmm. they're number two. They've got one of the top quarterbacks in the conference. Obviously, Foreman uh, at Wicomico would be considered probably number one, but O'Connor's right there with him, can run and throw. You're going to go with a team that has one of the top quarterbacks that is a winning team that's competitive. You're going to do that to some extent, too, because 
you want to cover good games. You want to cover, you know, exciting games and games that are going to have some scoring to them as well. And oh, by the way, we do have a fundraising component to some of the games we do as well with the Joseph McCartan Insurance. Right. So that factors in as well. So you have to consider all that. Look, we did a lot of North Carolina games for a while as well, mm-hmm. but they had Division One the players. Top, right? They had Division One players on their team. Why wouldn't we cover them a little bit more? So I mean, it, this thing just it goes in waves. You know, who knows what it'll be next year? Well, you know what? E- everything's for sale. If you want to pick the games, <laughs> yeah, everything's for sale. Yeah, but I, I just think you people... can pay Mike and I. Yeah. You know, to, to, you know, do the games <laughs> that you want us to do. Yeah. I, I would so. just say I, the people that think they have, and I'm trying to say this respectfully, people that think they have an insight and know, well, we know why. The, you don't know. Okay. Right. You don't know. And, and it may appear a certain way, but ask us. We'll, we'll tell you. Yeah. We'll tell you. It's and not so it's, because I'm the JV coach at Easton. No. And, and, so. to, you know, and, and, and look, I, look, I want to see a variety of different games when I produce mm-hmm. on Friday nights. I don't want to necessarily have the same teams all the time. But, you know, that said, um, there's not – yeah, there's not some un- underlying – Easton's not paying us to do their games or paying <laughs> Mark to do their games. No, I wish they were. You know, <laughs> so that's not – you know, that's not that's yeah. not happening. No, we are uh, – we're blessed with uh, lots of sponsors, and, you know, they want us to do a game of the week. And, and you guys are listening. We can see that you're listening, and we appreciate that. And because of that, we'll continue to do what we do. But, again – if you'd like to pick the games and you'd like to own overtime live, <laughs> give me a call. You know, my camper is looking for some company. So. <laughs> but, Wait a minute now. Don't go selling the properties. I, I you know, I, I there's uh, there's a meat component to it. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. So that that's just I, I wanted to address that because, yes. you know. It gets to a point where you get kind of tired of seeing it or hearing it, and it's just like, you know what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like that. You know, we do this to promote the kids. You know, yes, we enjoy doing this. There's no, I mean, we we get paid to do it, but we don't get paid. It's not a career. It's it's no. you know, um, you know, but we do it because we enjoy putting the kids' names out there and promoting the kids because there's so much negativity in the world today for teenagers and what have you that you know what how about we highlight the good stuff yeah highlight the good stuff and what these kids are doing and and uh, the fact that we're proud of them and we we love calling the games you love talking about them in the you know in the studio yeah well, so, and to your point, look, Friday nights, I mean, Friday mornings, you and I get up extremely early to do morning shows. You on the mid-shore, mm-hmm. me down at the beach on the lower shore. Uh, the days are very long. We start our day, I start my day at 2.30 in the morning. You get up about an hour later or so. And so by the time we finish up at 10.30, 11 o'clock on a Friday night, trust me, it's not for the money. Right. Because right. it's not enough to go through that day. And then in some cases, I have to wake up at 6 a.m. the next morning and finish my show prep for Maryland football to be on the air at 10 30 in the morning to do the pregame show right so trust me it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's not about it, it's it, not about the money it's about mm. a 21 and a half hour day for you and about mm. a 21 hour day for me yeah you know yeah. so yeah it's uh but but we love it we yeah love no absolutely it, you know? and, yeah. and yeah. that's just the way it is all right well uh why don't we, this final segment is sponsored by our friends at college placement consulting 
providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. By the way, October 1st, FAFSA opened back up, and you're going to want to do that, especially if you have a high school senior. Because you're going to want to have money given to you uh, by the federal government or Pell Grants or, you know, whatever. So they're printing money all the time. They don't care. That's right. Giving it away. Yeah, it is. So it's a crime. It really is. But anyway, enough on that. So, but uh, check out the uh, folks over there at collegeplacementconsulting.com. They are awesome folks. So uh, college football, Maryland. Man, well, Virginia Tech, we're not even going to talk about them. They suck. All right, we'll move on. Maryland, I was shocked that they lost to Purdue coming off a Michigan State win. Well, Purdue is a good football team, though. Don't don't short sell them. Aiden O'Connell is a six-year quarterback. He could throw the football. He's got some weapons. But you know what what hurt Maryland in a couple of cases? Three turnovers that the defense forced. The Maryland offense got zero points off of it. Um, the defense at one point had six straight stops of the Purdue offense. They really came on. But at the end, in crunch time, unfortunately, at the very end, they gave up two touchdowns. And then the penalties, again, plaguing Maryland. They had the illegal man downfield, uh, Delmar Glaze, I believe it is, on the two-point conversion. It would have tied the game. And, you know, there you go. And then they, they tried another two-point conversion, but that was uh, better defended and you know, throw to the back of the end zone was incomplete. And that was a really tough loss. It didn't help. The extra point block, that was a terrible non-call uh, on uh, offsides. There was also an offensive pass interference that wasn't called. So the refs haven't been helpful, but still, Mark, Maryland had their opportunities. And that's a, that's a hurtful loss because – in order to move into the mid-tier of Big Ten teams, which I think they're capable of doing, at least with this year's team, uh, they lost that opportunity. And, um, you know, I was hoping they'd go 4-0 this month because next month's schedule is t- much tougher. Mm-hmm. you got Penn State, Ohio State among those. And at Wisconsin, and that looks to be possibly a rejuvenated team, they, they wallop Northwestern under interim head coach Jim Leonard on Saturday. So, yeah, disappointing loss. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alabama? Still number one, and uh, you know, with Oof, <laughs> that was an ugly game Saturday. Yeah, night. It was, yeah. but they don't have their quarterback. You know, Bryce Young was out. Texas and, A&M was playing with a backup quarterback too. Yeah, well, and but he was a starter for him last year. He was, he was, he, but he didn't he, win it this year. But he, he was yeah. the one that beat them last year. Yeah, well, okay. Know? But they but, also were missing uh, two offensive linemen, one of their top defensive linemen. So both teams were missing guys. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's just important that uh, you know, obviously for Bama. If they don't have Bryce Young, they're in trouble because, mm. you know, that what what they uh, two fumbles, two had, interceptions. Uh, yeah, they, their their starter had I think three turnovers, but he also threw four touchdown passes, yeah. or three or four touchdown passes. Yeah, yeah a young talented man, but but just wet behind the ears, right. and uh, yeah. So that's uh, but uh, Texas A and M. They said Mark and and Alabama has this kind of depth too, and this is why it's so tough for teams really from ranking four or five below in the top 10 or 15 to catch up. Texas A&M rotates 15 guys on their defensive line. 15. And wow. most of them are freshmen and sophomores. So they're, wow. they got a, a, a bright future ahead. But how do you compete with that kind of depth outside of if you're a Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, right. maybe a Clemson? Right. Yeah, good point. Uh, speaking of Georgia, uh, they uh, they escaped. They were that game was close there for a while. They've had a, they've had several close games, although they did catapult back up to number one with uh, Alabama's narrow win. Okay, so you know, and they're going to be back and forth. 
it'll come down to those two again, and mm-hmm. we'll see how Ohio State, Clemson, Clemson had a close one for a while too. With with BC, although yeah. they moved up a spot, Michigan moved down a spot, even though they defeated Indiana. I think though, as it pains me to say, I think right now though, I think Ohio State may be the best team in in college football. Well, and when I'm looking with Georgia forward, a near two, close I'm looking two. forward to Ohio State and Michigan to play. Is that game in the big house this year? No, that that game's going to be the horseshoe. I, you know, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, I, and I I just talked to a guy from the Wolverine actually yesterday on my Baltimore show or on Sunday. That is in. He said, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State say a 10-point favor in that game. And I, I wouldn't be either. And that's not to put down Michigan. They've got a good team this year. But that Ohio State team, they've gotten better, much better defensively. And they've looked to add more of a physical presence on their offense. And why? Because they saw what Michigan did to them last year. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, let me tell you, if, uh, if the sun's bright, make sure you grab yourself some Hook sunglasses, hookoptics.com. You can pick them up locally at uh, An Optical Galleria, the Teal Marsh Plaza in West Ocean City, uh, downtown Centerville on West Water Street, and, of course, in downtown Easton on Harrison Street, Galleria, eisenart.net.com, and, of course, uh, no, I'm sorry, eisenart.net, and then uh, and, uh, the Hook Optics at hookoptics.com. They're amazing sunglasses. They'll help with the glare, and I can't wait to wear them when it's snowing outside and there's snow on the ground with that glare. Cause that'll, oh, the that, sun off the snow. Yeah, that'll help as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, check them out there, and I'm sure you'll like what they can do for you. You got anything else you want to add in? Uh, just that I think that, uh, or not, I think I know I'm going to post this week at our Overtime Live Facebook page the point standings for the playoffs. Okay. We, we've we not done that, and I know everybody gets in, Mark, but it's, to me, seeding still counts for something. It does. So I think we should start talking about that next week, and I'll post those standings up there. Top 25 Maryland high school football poll. Uh, I, I'm one of the voters, but I'm just one of a dozen guys. No Eastern Shore teams there yet out of the Bayside. I, I think, though, with the parity with the teams at the top and how good the top five are, I think if a team like Ken Island runs the table and finishes 8-1, and one, that I think they'll possibly get – number 25 or so they'll certainly receive votes uh but right now no one's in that poll and hasn't been this year so far still no respect for the eastern shore teams that you can't argue with it there's no respect are you voting any of those these teams i the don't i am not going to reveal that okay. i i don't reveal my votes like that but, that would be but a no ladies I, and gentlemen no that's <laughs> not actually that's not necessarily that's not necessarily true but i think with the with the parody and i, I gotta see you gotta see how these teams play each other and and, and turn out uh but it, one of the problems though i think is outside of yours truly i don't know how much knowledge there is on the eastern shore about the eastern shore teams right Three games left in the regular season. Yeah, it, it, it would be nice, though, Mark, and it's just the way the schedule goes, though. What hurts is how many games have the Bayside Conference teams played against Western Shore teams this season? Yeah, well. Zero. Yeah, well. And that's a schedule thing. Bennett played Southern. Well, they did. <laughs> they did, but Bennett's winless. So. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah but play <laughs> outside of Bennett, how many of the top five teams played a Western Shore team or a top-tier Delaware team? Unfortunately, this year with the schedule, zero. So yeah, that, sure that doesn't help. But, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Check us out at shoresportsmd.com. Mike uh, does his weekly picks and his power poll. The power poll is up now on the Overtime Live page. Check it out. Feel free to share it. Share this podcast, too, if you would. We would appreciate it. We want more listeners so that uh, we can continue to talk about high school football and any of the other sports, for that matter. 
And we encourage your participation. You have something you'd like to add in? Maybe we said something you don't like? <laughs> I'm hey, sure we've done that today. <laughs> send it to Mike at ShoresportsMD.com yeah. or me, Mark, at ShoresportsMD.com. But uh, send your hate mail to Mike. He, he would appreciate That's it. That's fine. So. I'll deal with it. Yeah. I'll handle so it. He handles all that stuff. He's got more time than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We're both uh, well overburdened, but we'll do what we do. What we do. For Mike, uh, Mark, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next week right here. Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.